Welcome to Risk Ready, presented by the Private Risk Management Association. Hi, I'm Lisa Lindsay with the Private Risk Management Association. PRMA's mission is to raise awareness and educate agents and brokers about the evolving landscape of the insurance industry so they can better serve their clients. Today, I'm here with Roy Chapin, the CEO of Four Winds Winery in Napa, California. His mother, Jane, purchased the 110-acre property in the late 90s. And for the past 10 years, Roy has helped oversee and operate the winery, which is focused on small, high-end production of Cabernet Sauvignon wine from the Stag's Leap District in Napa Valley. I was introduced to Roy by a PRMA member who is very passionate about helping clients adopt a preparedness mindset. Roy and his family were impacted by the Tubbs fire in October of 2017. At the time, it was the most destructive wildfire in California history. Its destructiveness was surpassed only a year later by the campfire of 2018. As wildfire frequency and severity continues to increase, it has become evident that the only way to make progress is if individuals, businesses, and communities work together. So Roy, thinking back to October of 2017, tell us about your experience the day that your neighbor woke you up and let you know there was a fire coming. Sure. Uh, thanks, Lisa. It's great to be here. Um, yeah. Um, so on October eighth, uh, two thousand seventeen, um, I got a, I received a phone call uh, from my neighbor, and uh, it was around ten thirty. Um, I was watching TV. It had been a really hot day that day. I think it was close to about you know, maybe ninety or, or about hundred degrees, um, and the wind was blowing um, as it does quite heavily during that time period. So we had everything. Yeah, my air condition on. I had my windows. Everything was shut. Um, and so I got this phone call from my neighbor, Susie Jinx, and, um, you know, she said, hey, there's a fire behind um, the ridgeline and, uh, you know, you should, you know, you should take a look. So I, I went outside of my house. I was living in the guest house at the time on the property and I looked out and I just thought, you know, oh, it's just going to be a small grass fire or, you know, the, the, the fire department will be here soon and you know, it's not going to be that big of a deal. As I walked out and I looked out, I looked up on the ridgeline and the whole entire ridgeline was basically on the fire. <laughs> and um, so from that point, I was like, wow, this this is uh, this is serious. And um, we have to start to get things in order and kind of move along pretty quickly. Um, so I first thing I did was I went and got my mom. She's 74 years old um, and got her packed up and evacuated off the property. Um, and then I came back and I started basically getting all furniture, art, you know, anything I could find out of the main house. Um, you know, and try and move it to a safe place. And thank goodness for where we are and what we have. We have a winery, we have a cave. And so that was the first thing I thought of was to put stuff in the cave. Uh, and this was all kind of, you know, on the fly. You know, I was just kind of making up as I was going. I'd never been in a wildfire. Um, you know, I grew up in Florida. The biggest thing that we had were hurricanes. Um, and so I could basically say it's kind of a wildfire, like this magnitude was like being in a massive hurricane. Um, but instead of rain, you've got, you know, hot ash and embers kind of coming down on you. Uh, so it's a real surreal type of um, situation. 
Um, so, you know, I got the, got the stuff in the cave and started, you know, to see what was going on. And as, as I finished up with that, I realized that the fire had started coming around the main house and was coming, you know, on the other side of the road. So we really didn't have much time. We didn't have any fire equipment. We didn't have anything. There was no fire trucks came up. Um, you know, there was no one there. It was just me um, and, uh, and one of my friends. And so we ended up hopping in the truck and kind of getting out the as fast as we could. Um, and, you know, and I, I'll never forget kind of looking back and, and seeing uh, the, the property and the fire coming right at the property and thinking, wow, that's, that's it there. I'm going to, I'll get back here and everything's going to be completely decimated and gone. And um, it's just like a, a real bad feeling of just helplessness. It's just, but you can't really do anything. Um, so, you know, once we got back and we got into town, um, I started receiving calls from my neighbors, um, people uh, that had been in that area and everyone's giving me different reports, you know, oh, the main house is, everything's destroyed and, you know, um, it's going to be a total loss. And so the next day we were pretty fortunate. Um, we were able to get back up on the property. The fire had already gone through. And once we got up, we were able to see that, you know, there was a lot of damage, but the most damage was to the guest house where I was living in. It was completely burnt down to the ground. Uh, the main house survived amazingly and the, the caretaker's house survived amazingly as well. And I think it was just because we were, you know, we had just put in a vineyard that basically wrapped around the property uh, of the main house and that acted as a giant fire break. We hadn't planted anything. It was just raw dirt, but that basically, in my feeling, in my opinion, basically saved it and uh, saved the main house. So that was kind of the, 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 the part, you know, the evening of, of October 8th and, you know, kind of what happened after I got that call. <laughs> wow. I mean, I can't even imagine what that was like to, to be faced with that. And then, sort of make up your plan as you're going and you're yeah. thinking about life safety and, and grabbing, you know, whatever you can, you can grab. It really must've been um, quite, quite scary for you. Yeah. I mean, it was, you're kind of working on adrenaline. It's like I said, very surreal. You're looking at the mother nature is pretty amazing. And to see, you know, flames that are, you know, at least, you know, uh, 60 feet high and coming towards you, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty impressive. And the wind is just howling. So yeah, you're kind of on autopilot and you just, just do fight or flight type of mode. And so it was just first priority safety with my mother. And then what can we save on that side? And um, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a pretty intense feeling. Um, you know, we were very lucky at the end of the day. I mean, we were both fine, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that it's, it's kind of hard to describe. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine so. And, and so you've shared a little bit about the impact um, for your, on your family and, and your property and um, share a little bit about sort of the emotions tied up in something like this. Sure. You know, it's, it's, you know, after we, we kind of came back on the property and I was looking at it and it, to me, you know, there are kind of three things that I, I found, you know, at least on the emotional part, it was like kind of being in a dream, you know, it was like, okay, you know, does this really happen? You know, is this, you know, I, I can't believe this is, this is, you know, this is what happened. And so, uh, you know, that you're kind of, I guess you're in kind of a shock. You know, when I got back up on the property, uh, we had to basically chainsaw our way in. There was a telephone pole that had come down. And so, you know, we, you know, we, we had to like basically, you know, kind of get back, you know, force our way back onto the property. And so we got back on, it was like, 
it was like a bomb had gone off. I, I guess that's the best kind of explanation I could possibly give. There wasn't, you know, every tree was, was burnt or, 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 or gone. The whole, uh, you know, the whole hillside was black. Everything was still smoking. There were still little spot fires we we're putting out. Um, so it was, it was basically looked like a kind of a bomb had gone off. And um, yeah. And so it's just a, a big feeling of kind of like despair, um, overwhelmingness. Um, you know, that's one of the biggest things. It's like, you look and you're like, where do I start? You know, it's like, of course, my house was you know completely destroyed, but I had to think about other things. You know, it's like, okay, what about where's, how do we get the water back on? How do we get the electricity back on? Um, you know, how do we get things back up and going? And, and you realize that I'm not the only one that's affected. There's hundreds and hundreds of households that have probably been burnt and that everyone's going to be doing the same thing. So the first thing we did was, you know, just kind of start start making some lists. And so we figured out what do we need? And so we started making these lists because we knew that, you know, people would be going to the hardware store and trying to find pipes and, you know, things like that, generators and stuff like that would be almost impossible. So that's the first thing we did. And, and so kind of, I just did it day by day, you know, and we, I created a task by task and I finish one task and go on to the next task. And so that's kind of how I maintained my, uh, you know, my level of sanity during, you know, and it, during, it took us like probably, I would say a, a couple, about four days to get our water back on. Cause we all have water on the property, but it took a long time to get the, the, the power back on pg and was pretty good. Um, but it was calling them every day, you know, harassing and saying, Hey, where, you know, when can you do it? How soon can you get it back on? You know, and it was just being, you know, just persistent persistent. And again, we were really fortunate. We worked with a lot of great, uh, you know, people here in the Valley and everyone was like super willing to help out. My friends came up to clear out debris, you know, anybody, you know, could, you know, would land, lend a hand and it was just fantastic. So that was great, but it was, it was, uh, it's very, I would say overwhelming was the biggest thing. You're just like, you, you know, it's just like, where do I start? How do I, how do I, what's the first thing I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think I recall hearing that it it took um, over three years to rebuild the guest house and get everything back to where it was before the fire. I mean that that's a lot of that's a lot of energy. Yeah, and that's yeah. a long time to have to work through getting back to normalcy. Um, right, I would imagine. Sounds, right, sounds exhausting. Yeah, I mean, I think like the biggest thing that I would say is is the time component. You know, for us, it was a three year process. We, you know, there was a lot of you know communication with the insurance company that we were working with. Um, you know, and you know, and in putting out, you know, creating the inventory lists and things like that, and so just a lot of information you have to get to them, um, and it take, it, and we hadn't done that before, you know, and that was kind of the lessons learned, you know. Wow, you know, take pictures of every item you have in your house. Um, you know, everyone says to do that, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that's the most boring thing in the world to do, but right. let me tell you, having to go back and think about what was in your house, you know, the the type of clothes you had, uh, you know, everything and anything, it's just it takes a long, long time. Um, so yeah, doing that with the insurance took quite a bit of time. And then just the rebuild itself, you know, to get the house, um, re- the guest house rebuilt, you know, we had these, um, you know, really nice, beautiful, uh, you know, uh, terracotta, you know, shingles for the roof and they they come in from France. And so, you know, the color didn't match when we originally got them reordered and came in. So we had took another three months to get them back and ordered. So it was just a long process. And, um, and it, you know, and I would say like, that's the biggest thing when people ask me, they're like, 
you know, because now we've kind of definitely started, you know, doing, being more kind of proactive on our mitigation and being here on the property. And I'm like, I don't want to lose another house. You know, it's, it's, it's the time component. I don't want to waste three years of my life rebuilding and this stuff, you know, doing these things. I've got a lot better things to do. So time is, yeah, time is really important. And, uh, and it just takes, uh, I was amazed how long it would take to get things kind of back to normal. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's really something and some good points there about, you know, doing, doing some stuff in advance. So, so this experience led you to step up the mitigation efforts to protect your property on a go forward basis. You, you kind of took matter into your own hands. What have you done to ensure that you don't have to go through something like this again, and that your property is more protected? Right, exactly. And, and mitigation is really the key. You know, the first thing I did, you know, um, kind of once we got back on the property and we're kind of back here full time, living full time, was start buying you know, fire equipment. And uh, I would go on online and I just start buying, you know, everything I could possibly find that I think would be useful here on the property. And so that was everything from like chainsaws, generators, pumps, water pumps. We now have three water pumps, um, hoses. We've got, you know, tons and tons of fire hoses that we can connect to, um, fire equipment, uh, uh, personal fire equipment. So fire retardant shirts, pants, boots, you know, helmets, the whole nine yards, uh, fire retardant, you know, foam that you can spray, mix in with the water, backpack sprayers, which are great. Um, so, you know, we use backpack sprayers. We always have them in our, uh, you know, our six-wheeler if we're out, you know, cutting firewood or, you know, chainsaw or doing any equipment work or any workout on the property. Because if anything happens and there's a little fire, you have a backpack sprayer you can just grab and just put something out right away. And you're not thinking, oh no, where, where's the fire extinguisher and where are these things? So having a, our, our property is incredibly hilly. It's very steep terrain. It's very rugged. Um, so having a backpack sprayer is just a very great thing. Um, they're not that expensive. It's very easy to use. You just fill it up with water. You put some fire retardant in there and you're pretty much good to go. Um, so really just getting that fire equipment, kind of making a list and, and learning, you know, there were a lot of things that, you know, we thought we would need, but we don't, you know, we realized we didn't. And it was then we started kind of refining that list more and more as the years kind of went on and on and on. Uh, and I got better and better educated. Um, the next thing was making sure we had enough water on the property. Um, that's a key thing. And so we were fortunate enough, we built uh, a very large water tank uh, for our vineyard for irrigation. So we were, made, we were able to hook up, um, you know, lines and nozzles uh, that we can use that for, for fire protection as well. Um, and so it gives us access for that. We put in additional tanks around our property as well that are full, always full just for fire. And we've stationed them strategically in different locations so we can hook up fire hoses and pumps to them and hit different sections of, uh, of structures on our property, different houses, things like that. And then we also got a smaller water tank, which we can put in the back of a pickup truck with a pump and be a little bit more mobile and run around to different areas, hit spot fires if we need to. So water is really important. If you don't have water, you really can't do anything <laughs> on that side. Um, and then the next thing we did was uh, we purchased 20 goats. Uh, livestock I found is incredibly important. Um, you know, and, uh, and I was already, we were already thinking about getting livestock prior to the 17 fire, but this really kind of spurred it on. Um, our neighbors had cattle, they had been grazing their property and their, their property was pretty much undamaged and, and we we're right next door. So that was a very telltale sign, you know, like, wow, livestock can really make a difference. 
And I went with goats because our terrain is very hilly. It's very rocky. Um, you know, goats are easy to work with. They're easy to manage. Um, so we have these, we have 20, 20 goats full-time on the property. Um, mm-hmm. The best thing about goats is they eat up all the ladder fuels. So they love um, brush. They love uh, poison oak. <laughs> they love uh, any, any brush or bushes that usually congregate around uh, oak trees. And we have a lot of oak trees on our property. So the key thing is, you know, removing those ladder fuels that will basically enable you know, a wildfire to go up and, and start, you know, catching the oak on fire because, you know, if there are no ladder fuels and a fire goes through nine times out of 10, the oak's not going to catch on fire. It's just going to move right through. But you, if there's a lot of um, brush or, you know, bushes or shrubbery around those oaks, it basically acts as kindling and it will start those oaks on fire. And then once those oaks, those trees are on fire, then you're in a very different type of situation. It's going to go into a crowning fire. It's going to be much harder to control. So, you know, uh, goats are great. You know, they'll, we have uh, a number of different pastures on our property that we move them to. So we do rotational grazing and um, we basically get them into hard spots and they basically act as our human weed eaters. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're pretty good. They also, with those come, you know, uh, for livestock guardian dogs that protect the goats, they live with the goats 24 seven. So, uh, so it's a, it's a little bit of a combined effort on that side, joint effort. Um, and, uh, and so after that, then we basically looked at kind of creating an evacuation plan. Um, so we made sure that we had an evacuation map. We had a, a, a communication plan. Uh, you know, who can we, call, you know, if there's a wildfire, who do we call, um, you know, and have all the numbers on that. They're all laminated. We have them in different parts of uh, on the property. Uh, we have a, 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 so the evacuation map, we have like a, a, it shows exactly where we can evacuate to, where we're going to um, kind of meet back up, who we can talk, you know, wh- what kind of the, 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 where the fire equipment is, everything like that. Um, and then we have a map for defending the structures, you know, where the pipes are, you know, how to, you know, where, where to hook up for the, for the hoses, everything like that. So we know exactly kind of if there's a wildfire, what do we do, you know, and, and what are the steps? Um, and if I'm not here and if there's just our caretaker or property manager, then they can follow those steps just as easily. So it's really important that everyone's on the same page. Um, and then lastly, what I found is education. You know, I started doing a lot of education in the space. I realized that, you know, I, I, you know, had no idea. I just went through a wildfire, but you know, how do you prepare for that? And so I was talking to a lot of people, you know, doing a lot of online conferences and, and, and reading a lot of material about, you know, wildfires and mitigation and, you know, what to do during, you know, how to handle mitigation on your property. And, you know, and that's really kind of the key thing. Um, you know, I did a, uh, just last year, I completed a wildfire, uh, what is it? Uh, my, I got my FFT2, which is a wildland firefighter type two certification, which basically enables me to work on any wildfire uh, in North America on that side. Um, I can do it as a volunteer. I can, you know, volunteer my services. I can work on the line. And it was 40 hours, of course, you know, of online work um, plus two days of in, you know, on hand training. So you learn everything from hooking up fire hoses, about pumps, about, um, you know, uh, emergency equipment, you know, uh, fire shelters. I mean, it was absolutely fascinating. And, and again, it just made me feel more comfortable. We learned about fire behavior um, and all these things basically come back to the fact that, you know, it's not not that if there is another wildfire on our property, we're not going to go out and fight it. What we're going to do is just protect the structures as best as we possibly can in the safest possible way. 
And, you know, that is, the, you know, that's, that's our goal, you know, is safety, but making sure those structures uh, don't burn down and that we can, you know, do as much as we can to protect that. And um, so, yeah, so having that education is really important. Um, but getting back to the goats and the grazing, you know, it, we, you know, with that, we basically created these defensible spaces around our property. So we started out from 800 feet grazing with the goats down to 200 feet, down to 50 feet. So we have all these different levels of, of defensible kind of layers. And then with that, as we're grazing the goats, we go in and every winter we go and we clear out all the dead brush, all dead trees. Um, and then we create, um, you know, pile burns of all the material. And in the winter, we light that so we can basically get more of all that fuel reduction reduced um, is the key. Every year we're working on fuel, redu fuel reduction. The less fuel there is, the less chances things are going to burn. The faster the fire is going to go through. That's, that's what we want. You know, if there's a fire, we want it to come through as a grass fire, nice and quick, you know, and, and move right through with very limit to limited damages. So, yeah, I think having all those things is kind of for the mitigation has really helped us. And we're, we're constantly learning. We're learning from our neighbors. Um, you know, we're learning from, you know, new information that's coming out. Um, and so it's a, it's a constant learning process, which is, which, is, which is really great about this. Yeah, I would imagine that it was. And I commend you for, for proactively doing all the things that you did and taking time to, to learn and be educated, which brings me sort of to a, to a next topic, which is about community. You know, I've seen scenarios where, you know, somebody does a great job creating their defensible space, but their neighbor doesn't. Right. And, and so, so talk to me about what's going on in your community or, or the role that community plays um, in working together to, to help, you know, protect each other. Yeah. I mean, I think community is incredible. Is, is so important in, um, you know, in dealing with fire situations and, and, you know, and one of the things is, is communications with your neighbors. You have to have an open and honest dialogue with your, with your neighbors. Um, and, you know, with us, we're, we're very fortunate, you know, we're very close with all of our neighbors. Um, you know, we have 110 acres on our property, you know, our neighbor to the left of us has about 150, 200 and the neighbor to the right of us has about the same amount, you know, on that side. So we, you know, we have big pieces of property, but, and there's maybe about four or five or six neighbors just in our area. Um, and, you know, what we did was we're all the first and easiest thing is we, we got on a, a, a text chain, you know, an SMS chain so that, you know, in the during the fire season, you know, if anything pops up, if there's if we hear anything, if we see anything, anything at all, we just send a text and all of us are on it. We can all get, you know, get that information and reply back. And so that's great. You know, that's been a huge tool in just knowing, you know, what's, you know, what's, you know, what's going on and is, is there a fire over here? And, and that helped us quite a bit last year. We had a glass fire in, in Napa, which is more up in St. Helena. And so we're constantly getting different reports, you know, and we had the LNU fires as well, which was actually closer to us. So um, you were constantly texting back and forth, you know, has it gotten any further? Have you heard anything? And so just having that, it was almost kind of like a, I'll say like a sewing circle, but, you know, it's definitely this level of communication that you're just kind of constantly getting this feed um, because you do feel quite isolated. And so it's great to have that kind of information. Um, and so we're constantly in contact. And, you know, what we tend to do too with our neighbors, we try and get together 
before fire season um, and after fire season, you know, do a dinner. Um, we talk about, you know, equipment, you know, who has what, um, you know, you know, who needs what, you know, if someone needs a generator, we'll, you know, provide them a generator. Um, you know, we have, you know, X amount of chainsaws. So, which is great because then we know, you know, if, if someone doesn't have something, we can say, okay, you know, Tom and Susie have that, let's go ahead and, you know, they can, we can borrow their chainsaw or whatever the case may be. And it's all about helping out, you know, and, and if there's, if we're ever in a pinch for anything, I know I can call my neighbors and they'll be over here faster than anybody else uh, to help in and help out, which is really, really key. Um, so in addition to my neighbors, I kind of went a little bit further and then I started joining, I recently joined uh, Fire Safe Council. So Napa County has uh, basically called Firewise Foundation, uh, which is a countywide nonprofit um, organization. It's been operating for 16 years. And so within that, they have different, um, you know, uh, different, I think, eight, eight different um, councils. And so I'm on the uh, Soda Canyon Stags Leap Council, which is kind of like my larger neighborhood uh, on that side. And that's more and more formal way of, you know, communicating and getting that those, you know, the 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 community together on that side. It's a much more structured way, which is great. Um, you know, they apply for a number of grants through Napa County. Uh, they'll handle, you know, wood chipping programs. So, you know, they, they offer free wood chipping and, you know, kind of all these different things, which is fantastic. And, and they've just been, they've just been amazing. Um, I, I really enjoy working with them. Uh, it's been, again, very educational experience. Um, and it's, it's just bringing people in. And so of those neighbors, let's say that you had said, you know, that, you know, maybe aren't, Aren't, aren't taking care of the property or not cutting their grass or maybe in, in Napa, the big thing is we have a lot of, you know, residents that don't live here full time. You know, they have a vaca vacation house or maybe only here three or four months out of, out of the year. Um, and so by bringing them in on, you know, either through a, a fire, a fire safe council, um, that's a great way because then they're at least on the email chain. And once they see that everybody's doing it, <laughs> then you kind of, you kind of, they're kind of forced to do it. Um, and, and we've even gone to the point where, you know, with some of our neighbors, um, you know, we've, we've asked them if we can graze on their property um, because they don't have livestock and, and they've been great. They said, yeah, sure. We'd love to. And it's good for them. You know, they're, they're they sure. protect yeah. their property. It's good for us. We get, you know, our goods get free food at least for a couple months. Um, so it's a win-win, you know, and so I think it's just, you know, just going in and just, you know, communicating and, and because at the end of the day, no matter, you know, what your relationship with your neighbor is, is that if there's an emergency, you want to, you know, you want to have a good line of communication and you need to work together. And that's really the key. You know, it's, 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 you know, having that open line of communication is so important. Yeah. Yeah. So you have learned, um, a lot since October of 2017 and have adopted some really great practices. You're working with your neighbors. Um, you mentioned, you know, sometimes seasonal folks don't quite yet understand what's really going on. And we hear this a lot in our industry that a lot of clients are, they just have the mentality, like, it's just not going to happen to me. Right. And you know, what, what would you say to folks who have that it's not going to happen to meet mentality? Right. 
Well, I was definitely one of those folks pre-2017. Uh, you know, I was like, of course, we didn't have any fire equipment. I was, and there hadn't been a fire in Napa for a, a long time. Um, and so I was like, no, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, we'd, we'd whack out a little bit, you know, maybe 100 yards or, or 100 feet or something like that. We're like, oh, that's good enough, you know, or it would never get up over the, you know, we have these very rocky palisades. We're like, oh, there's no way a fire can jump over that, you know. And so I was definitely that person. And what I would say is, yes, it, it, it definitely will happen to you. You know, it's just a matter of time. It's, it's when. Uh, and I think that's really what people need to think about. It's, you know, kind of getting out of that mindset. And I get it. You know, people are busy. There's tons of other things that people get distracted with. Um, but I would say just kind of doing some basic things, you know, that can help. You know, you don't have to devote a huge amount of time and energy to it. But, you know, getting a to-go bag, you know, having a list of contacts, you know, having an evacuation plan, just real simple, simple things. You don't have to go full board and you know, get livestock and, you know, get a whole mini fire department, you know, on your property. I actually have some neighbors that have bought fire trucks out here in Napa. That seems to be the big thing. Um, and which is great. Um, but I would say, you know, the biggest thing is I would say, yes, at where we live in California, especially in Northern California, um, it is a huge, huge you know, issue. And we've got drought, you know, it looks like, you know, I'm sure we're going to be having drought for another two years, you know, so I, it, it's going to get worse and worse. Uh, and so it's, it's not a question of, it's not, it's just a question of when. And, and I think that's what people have to kind of get their, their mindset around and, you know, and, and having that education because uh, otherwise, yeah, it, you're going to have the same issues that we had and it's better to just do some basic things um, and be prepared. Um, and if it never happens, then that's fantastic, you know, but um, most likely it, it will happen. And it's just a question of when. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. And, and the key is, right, you're talking life safety. It, it's an emotional toll that, that you've, you've shared with us. And, and then it's just the, the time you're never going to get back. Right. Um, in terms of the resources and energy needed to rebuild or, or do whatever needs to be done. And um, I think some simple, simple advice of, you know, have a plan, start with a plan. Um, yeah. You might not, you know, finish the plan from A to Z the way you did, but right. you can start a plan and you can keep adding to that plan and, and sort of having that preparedness mindset so that, things, you know, you fare, you fare better. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, having a, just a, a basic plan is, is, is really the, the easiest thing, even if it's like, you know, if there's a fire coming, what do we do? You know, okay. Close the shutters, uh, you know, move the furniture in from the windows, um, you know, just basic turn off the gas. You know, it's like people that you just don't know. And when you're, when you do it and you're in the moment, like I said, you're just thinking, okay, safe to get, get your loved ones off, you know, animals out. But then it's like, okay, what do I need to save? And even then you're, it's an overwhelming feeling because you're like, should I get this? Should I get that? You know, I, right. I forgot my passport. You know, I must've gone four times into my house, you know, thinking about what I should get, you know, and, and you're just like, you get distracted because you got to get something else. And so, yeah. So having just a basic plan and, and, and just, you know, having like, okay, get your passport, driver's license, just basic things, phone, you know, really basic things that's going to make your life easier. If anything does happen, you know, if there's a fire and you're, and you lose a building or you lose a house, uh, you know, that's, that's really kind of key. It's going to make your life a lot easier for sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
Well, thank you, Roy, for sharing your story and and helping us get the word out and helping people understand the power and being proactive and and having having a plan and working the plan and revising the plan. Um, it it really is a way to reduce the the risk of of uh, devastation and and obviously to protect families. So we thank you so much for spending time with us today and best of luck as you move through your um, adventures. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure talking with you guys. I'm happy to share any, any, any experiences I've had and hopefully it will help others, um, you know, not make the same mistakes that I made and, and learn from it and, and be in a better situation for sure. Great. Well, we appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll be in touch again, check in on you and see how things are evolving. So thanks again, Roy. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for the Risk Ready Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe, download, and review our podcast. Until the next time, stay risk ready.